0: John
1: Scott, the awesome man. John Scott, the Thank you for listening to Drop the Gloves with John Scott. Whoa. Yeah. Hey, 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 everybody, welcome to Dropping the Gloves with Tim Wurzberger. And his trusty sidekick, John Co- John Scott, John Cock. <laughs> Cut it out. Oh, that's too funny. But anyways, Tim, are you, did you like to do opening? I was trying to give you props. Oh, that's too funny. But anyway, how are you doing, Tim? Uh, much better now. Oh, my goodness. What a way to start the episode. What are you going to do? You know, sometimes it happens. Sometimes I'm back in Tim's apartment again. We liked it so much. We tried it again. So we're back. We're back. You look good, Tim. How you doing? How you doing? How's your Thanksgiving? <laughs> it's <was> good. Yeah. <laughs> what, an, what an opening. But, anyways, um, we wanted to talk about some hockey stuff. Some hockey talk. Last episode, we focused on me and my move. I'm in the house, everything's good, blah, blah, blah. Nobody cares. Let's get back to the hockey. Not a lot of action on the signings front, which is not really unexpected, but we did have one. We had the Bruins. They signed your big bad. Jake DeBrusque, Yep. you like it two years,
0: 7.3? 7.25, something like that. Just under $8 million. I like the deal for both him and for the Bruins. The low-risk deal for the Bruins, he's going to quietly get 20 to 25 goals if he keeps up at the pace that he's been at before, um, which is a pretty effective. Uh, it's, it's a good contract for a young player with that kind of upside. But it also gives him a chance. It's a, it's a bridge deal, right? It's, he's about twenty, probably three twenty-four. It gives him a chance to work a couple of things out. He's got some kinks in his game. He's been flashy and some big moments at times. But he's also got some weaknesses. He, he wasn't very good in the playoffs. He's not too physical. He, he plays hard. He celebrates hard. But I think he's there's another. I think he's going to elevate his game. There's another, there's another level we haven't seen yet that I think I think he's betting on himself a little bit. Um, so I, I like the deal for both, and I hope that he takes another step forward in his career over the next two years.
1: What does it mean that he plays hard and celebrates hard?
0: He's he celebrates every goal. Like he just won the Stanley cup. That's like his, that's his thing. Yeah. He's just, he's been like that since he was a rookie. Every goal he scores, he is banging on the wall and scooping ice. Everything.
1: I don't mind that. Yeah. I don't mind that at all. I think every goal that I scored, I was very excited too. Yeah. Maybe not to the extent of of banging on the glass. You know what? I don't think I had any great celebrations other than the All Star game. But
0: the All Star game was good. But the the Tomas Hurdle, did you listen to the throwback Baron last week? I did. The the Hurdle story was pretty good. I've forgotten about that one. Yes. He, he's very similar. He was probably like nineteen at the time, but just the way he celebrated scoring four goals, even though it pissed all the Rangers off, is pretty, pretty cool.
1: If you're in Madison Square Garden and you throw four goals on the board and you're nineteen years old, like I'd be jacked up too, and your fourth goal is between the legs, top shelf. Like that's you can do whatever you want at that point. What a jump. I'm not going to repeat what Jumbo said in the interview, but it was, uh, yeah, I ditto what Jumbo said. So it's uh, it's cool to see the kids celebrate. I don't mind it. I'm not one of those old fuddy-duddies who are like, ah, oh, you got to keep it classy. Be respectful. You score the goal. You go line up. I'm like, I don't know. I like to see some excitement. I like to see some celebrations. I like football, what they've done. I, I think it's cool. I, I like it for a touchdown. I don't like it for every single tackle. I don't like it for every single first down. I think it's overkill when the guy gets the first down and he does the, the five-yard march and points every single time. It's like, oh. What gets me
0: is when the quarterback like overthrows the receiver by 10 yards and the cornerback is like celebrating like he just shut
1: that guy down. Oh, it's just too much. It's like, just do your job. That's where it's too much. But in hockey, if you score a goal, it's like if I ever laid a big hit and I sat there and did a dance. <laughs> or it's like, yeah, baby. like You know what I mean? It's like, no, like just play the game. That's where it's too much in football. Have
0: but have you had, like, heat of the moment where where someone's celebrating a goal while you're on the ice and you just, like, shove a guy or try to get in his grill about it because he's doing too much?
1: No, never. Like, unless they're doing something that's taunting the team or, like, taunting the goaltender, then you then you take exception to that. But, you know, I, I, I never really got upset at guys because I, I don't think anybody in hockey has ever gone too far. The only thing I can remember is Ronick when he like his stick was on fire and he kind of did the, the fire <laughs> yeah. thing and stuff. He couldn't pick it up, but even that I was like, it's funny. Who cares? There's there's nothing that really irks me.
0: But I have another question. So obviously every everyone in the ice protects their goalie, especially if you're a defenseman, especially if you're an enforcer and your job out there is to protect your guys. Was there any goalie in your NHL career that you were just like extra specially protective of that you just like couldn't help it that you was wanted to have his back more than more than normal maybe?
1: Um, I guess if you got to know a goalie and you were buddies with him. So like in Chicago, I was friends with Corey Crawford. I didn't like want people to touch him, but not over the top. I, I think it was really, really kind of hyper when I was in Buffalo because of the Ryan um, Miller and Milan Lucic incident. So anytime even anybody went near Miller,
0: what happened between them?
1: Well, you know, yeah, stop Lucic ran Miller. And anyways, so I, I was very sensitive about that. And me and Millsy weren't, good friends at that point when I came to the team, I just, I knew that I was there. That was my job to protect Ryan Miller. So anytime anybody snowed him, I would just lose my mind, like go grab him and stuff and horse collar tackle and like just start a big melee. So I would say he would be the one where I was very sensitive because, you know, you don't touch the goal and it's that's where the little rats get in there and they, they just do little things where they... They'll tap the goalie on the pads or something when they skate by, or they'll get a drink from his water bottle, or they'll snow <laughs> that's up. A good one. Stuff like that. And so, like, I I have no time for that. If you take a drink of my goalie's water bottle, I'm punching you right in the face.
0: You also sat next to him, too,
1: right? Yeah, we I well, I, I did get to know him, but the first month, I was still hyper-vigilant because I knew that's why I was there. That's why like I, I got signed in Buffalo was to protect Ryan Miller and to send a message to – at that time, the Leafs had – Three heavyweights. Boston was Boston, like it was a heavy, heavy division. Ottawa had some heavyweights. They had Karkner and Neil, and really, really tough guys. And Buffalo had Paul Gosted. So I literally went to Buffalo, and I was like the lone horseman for years. And when I was there, I had Steve Ott. You know so I mean? was
0: Coletta gone by that point?
1: He was there, but he never fought much because he was always injured, and he was in and out of the lineup and stuff. What you about know? Peters? No, oh, he was long gone. Yeah, it was just me. And we had Zen and Knopter for a little bit, oh, yeah. but he was just, you know, he was, he was probably well. in Ottawa
0: too. Yep.
1: Right? So like we would roll into cities and I would be me and I would be looking at the lineup like, okay, the Bruins have Thornton and Lucic and Chara and McQuaid. And then we go into Toronto and they have Orr and McLaren and Frazier and um, Brody on some nights, and Divine on other nights, and we roll into Ottawa. We have Neil and Cassian and Carkner, and it was just like it went on and on. I'm just sitting here. I have a Pest in Steve Ott. I have Super Pest Patrick Colletta, and I'm just like protecting these guys for for a couple of years. It was fun. And Nathan Gerb, we like the story. I would try to get these guys to you know stir something up, but yeah.
0: What was uh you you obviously fought th- Thornton, but like. Did you study those guys a little bit the way you prepare for fights? Like, did you know what you what the strategy would be for Luchich if he ever got the opportunity? If he ever said yes,
1: Luch, I knew I would be able to destroy just because he was a guy who traded. He didn't play any defense. Yeah. So I knew if me and him ever went toe to toe, I would have. How do you know? Just because he doesn't play defense, and but he's I, a big my, strong guy too. How do you know he wouldn't? Get my arms better? are longer. I fought yeah. bigger, stronger guys than he is. Yeah. You know, I fought guys who like David Cochi. Um, was this big European guy. I fought him a few times, and he made Lucic look like a little kid. You know what I mean? So, And I've done well against those guys. So I knew if I were to fight him, he would try to go toe-to-toe with me, and I would win the fight. And that I wasn't worried about him. The one I was worried about was Thornton because he had fought bigger guys. He beat up Derek Bugert a few times. Yeah. I was like, man, oh, he man. He was a big guy. I, he was bigger than me.
0: Thornton no Thornton wasn't.
1: No, he wasn't big at all. I think he was six two, six one, but he like Boogie was bigger than I was. And so I knew my key to Thornton was to not get in tight with him. And so if you watch that fight, as soon as the puck drops, I take two hard strides backwards, like crossover, crossover, back back up he tries to grab. He doesn't. I get my grip, and then it was over after that. So,
0: What about – did you – I know you tried to fight Char. Did you ever pre- prep for him, or you knew that he would never do it?
1: No, I, I did prep. I knew Char. He liked to fall down if he fought a tough guy. If you watch all his fights, if he's fighting someone who's tough, he likes to throw a punch, and then he falls down right away. Like, if you watch when he fights, like, bigger guys, he doesn't stay on his feet very long. So I, I knew that was his tactic. He'd try to throw a bomb, a big haymaker, and then he'd fall over himself. So – I, I kind of knew how to how to play with that. I, I wanted to fight him. I thought it'd be a great fight. I mean, me and him going at it. So it just never materialized, which is too bad.
0: Are you surprised he hasn't signed with Bruins yet?
1: Um, no, I, I I'm not. I, I think he's trying to see what's what's happening with this COVID thing. He'll be back. Like he's not going anywhere else. I think he stated that. His agent stated that the team is not worried. It's not like they're, you know, stressing out that they're not going to have Zidane Ochoa. I think they'll be fine with, him, with or without him. That's why I think the team isn't, you know, losing any sleep over this. But it'll get done. I think he'll sign for the league minimum. Don't you, Are you worried as a Bruins fan that he's not coming back? He's 43 now.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm not worried. I'm just like, why hasn't he signed yet? So just today, he he has this annual tradition that he's since he's been here pretty much where he delivers um turkeys to underprivileged families this week and he did it today. So obviously he's still in town. He's still very much a part of the community. So I'm sure it's it's a formality that he hasn't designed yet. But still like any every day that goes by I'm kinda like, well why hasn't he done it yet?
1: I wonder if he's just doing it as a favor to the team to see, you know, give them some salary cap room. And you know he'd be like, all right, I'll I'll just sign for League Minimum. And give me a little signing bonus. I, I don't know what it, it is strange. It honestly is strange. If you know you want to be back and the team wants you back What's the issue? What is the real issue? Why aren't you doing it? He's so, not
0: going to sign. He's going to sign for like two years, four million.
1: No, he won't. I think he'll sign one million dollars tops. I, I think you're wrong. With with the way the salary cap is set up right now, where nothing has happened, it's been a flat salary cap. He's not going to take two million bucks and ruin his chances of winning. He's made enough money.
0: Yeah, but they always sign for more than you think.
1: Jumbo league. signed for league minimum. Can he sign for no? Did he? Yep. I sent yeah. him a text. It said, league, league minimum dot, dot, dot. Did he respond? He said, Yeah, I've made enough money. Don't need the money big. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I, I think at this point, like, Char has been in the league for over 20 years. He's made enough money. Yeah. Sure. He's probably made 50, 60, 70 million dollars. Imagine. You know what I mean? So, he doesn't need a couple more million to, to get by. So, I don't know. If, if it gives the team a little more room to get a player, I think he would do that. So I don't know. Maybe he's just waiting to see where the team ends up, and if he wants to sign, maybe like a Justin Williams mid
0: Yeah. Well, it's strange that a couple other big names haven't signed yet either, because you got Mike Hoffman still, who's he's a, he's a good goal scorer. He's a legit NHL goal scorer, and then Anthony Duclair, who had his best year ever to this date. Uh, you looking at me? Did you are you still recording? Yeah. Okay. Duke's still has not signed so there's two pretty big names, two of the biggest names on the market when we started a couple months ago, still unsigned and like there 's no movement like there 's no rumors, no no gossip, no buzz happening maybe they 'll sign i'm sure stuff's quietly happening behind the scenes, but why do you think they haven 't signed yet
1: well, I think the the gms have moved on. I really do. I think they have their team set, and now I think they 're focusing on well, how are we going to get this game, this league started When is the season going to start? How am I going to get my players here? What is that going to look like? What is the division's going to look like? How do I keep my players safe for train? Like there's so many other things to worry about for a GM now that you have your team set. And they had that window. They had the draft. They had the free agency period. They had all the buyouts. So I, all that's done. And so I think GMs are like, listen, we made, I'm sure they've gotten tons of offers. We made you an offer and you, and you didn't want to, you know, dance. So now we're moving on. Maybe, maybe we'll circle back and, and see see if you're still around. But it's like, it's like when you're selling a house and maybe I said this before, it's like usually your first few offers are the best offers. You're not going to just all of a sudden strike gold and a team's going to be like, we need this guy. If a team's going to give you an offer, they're going to give you the best offer first, especially in free agency. They want you it's July 1st or wherever the date was this year. I can't remember October or something. It's like, they're going to put their best foot forward to sign you right away. They're not going to up their money they know you're not wanted. They know no nobody wants you. You've lost your leverage. You know what I mean? Like July one, if you're a player and you're a GM, if I'm trying to contact a, just say a Nathan McKinnon, I know there's ten other GMs who are contacting him. So I'm going to throw the best number I have out there. If it's July two, three, four, five, six, now it's August sixth. It's a month after the free agency period. So you're still not signed. Like no one's stepping up to the plate. Your number's too high. No other GMs like no one's going to sign you. Like you're obviously you're you've set the bar too high. That's that's the way I see it. So GMs like no pass. Moving on. We are we already signed somebody else. If if you lower your value, you already, you lower your ask. Then maybe we'll play ball. Don't you think?
0: Yeah. Would you put money on both of those guys being signed before the regular season starts again?
1: Yeah, I do. But I I do think it will be at a number where. They're ask, well, I bet you Hoffman wanted six million. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, five to six. And I bet you he's getting offers in the three to four range. And I bet you Duclair's getting offers in the one to two range.
0: Do you think they both sign like one year deals, just a bridge deal to get back to some normal, so you have a good season time for their big number next year?
1: Well, and and I know why people are just saying, oh, it's a bridge deal for the player. It's a bridge deal for the player. It's for the it's for the team as well. Yeah, a team doesn't want to be tied down because no one knows where this is headed this this coronavirus like no one knows what's going to happen next year the year after two years from now if 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 we're even allowed to like have sporting events at all you know so it's it's a protection for the team and especially with these two guys you're not signing a a marquee player you're signing a tertiary complimentary player you can throw them on the second and third line maybe they can put up 20 goals maybe they can you know just help your team. Hoffman obviously has a higher upside than Duclair. I think Dukes, listen, I consider him my friend. He's a third or fourth line guy. That's what he is. Really? He had such a good season. He caught fire for a month. And after that, he was ice cold. He scored like 25 goals in the first 30 some games, whatever whatever the stat was. And then he scored three the rest of the way. <laughs> so it, it's yeah. he's a good player. But he's not on the level of these other 30 goal scorer guys. So I- I'm just saying you're not going to get someone who's going to be a game changer. Hoffman potentially could, could you know, move the needle in a few games and, and win you a couple games here and there. But Duke, he's not going to do that. He's going to score some highlight reel goals, but he- he's not going to do that for you. One, two, three, Listen up, fellas, because today we have a new Manscaped product alert. Manscaped just released the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer. Go look in the mirror. Come on. I'll I'll, I'll take a second. Go look in the mirror. I guarantee you'll see hair sticking out of your nose and ears. It's disgusting. It's gross. It's time to step your game up. You want your ears and your nose to be looking clean, baby. Come on. Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their Weed Whacker. I was sitting down with my kids the other day. My daughter looked at me and she goes, Dad, why do you have hair growing off of your ear? Like, what's going on? I just figured there was a hair had fallen from my head and it was just kind of resting on my ear. I was like, oh, no, it's fine. I went to the mirror and I honestly had five or six or seven hairs not growing out of the middle of my ear, off the top, off the front, on the side, on the behind. I was like, what is happening? So I immediately called Manscaped and got myself a Weed Whacker, and it has changed my life. It's the only nose hair trimmer on the market with a powerful and rechargeable lithium ion battery that lasts for up to 90 minutes of use. I'm not judging you, but if you need 90 minutes to trim your ear and hair, maybe we've got bigger issues. But if you do, I have, if you do have that hair, I have, I have the tool for you. It's called the Weed Whacker. So Look, fellas, 79% of partners polled admitted that long nose hair is a major turn off. And that goes for men and women. If you're a woman and you got nose and ear hair, again, no judgment. This is for you too, my lady. So listen up. For a limited time only, you get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code johnscott20 at manscaped.com. You're going to thank me when you look in the mirror and you're looking clean as a whistle. So, get 20% off and free shipping with the code JohnScott20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping. So, it's like 25% off. Go to manscaped.com and use promo code JohnScott20. What are you waiting for? Go whack your weeds.
0: So one of the big things that's that's come up this week talking about kind of waiting things out and, and the money and all that stuff is the the CBA. There was some drama here quietly that I don't feel like not too many people have talked about. No, we haven't talked about it on the show. I, I wasn't even totally familiar with it till you brought it up. But what what's going on there? What do people need to know about this?
1: It's it's the standard Gary Bettman is the biggest rat in all of professional John. sports. He really is. He is and this term I know it's it's, I'm not even going to bring it up, but he is Do the a, players have a term for him? Well, no, no. But anyways, <laughs> he he's just one of the like, – it's the biggest – it's just the shadiest move. You signed a deal four months ago. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're like, nope, I want to change it. I, I want a new deal. I don't like this deal because he is. he's seen what's happening. He has seen how all these states and provinces are locked down. You're not going to be able to have fans in the arenas. You're not going to be able to make money. He was probably assuming that they were going to be able to generate some revenue some way, whether it's commission, whether it's ticket sales, whether it's this or that, parking. Who knows? That's not going to happen. So he's panicking a little bit. The owner's are like, well, we're losing money. Hand over fist. What are we going to do? So he just slides this into the players. You know what? Let's up the escrow and up the deferred salary the owners can't make any money we, we, let's soften your blow on over the next few years and let's really up up at this year because the owners are the owners are losing a ton of money they're they are losing a lot of money but because the way the cba works they're not really losing that much money because the, the players pay for their compensation yeah that's the way it is in in the nhl so the owners are like well we want this money now because we're losing money right now and we don't want to be paid back in three, four, five, six years. We want to, you know, just kind of limit our losses as best as we can. So they, they asked for instead of a 10% salary deferral, which means if I'm making $1 million next year, I'm getting 10% chopped right off and that's going to the owners. I'm only making $900,000. They want 20%, boom, chopped right off. And instead of a 20% escrow, they want a 25% escrow. Now, this is all fair. Like I get this if this was a negotiation they signed a 6 year cba they hashed all this out before the season this is already put to bed to bring this up now is to cause a new firestorm and i and i've talked to some players i've read the quotes and they're just like what is he doing like why why is this even an issue and this is what bedman does he's going to he's going to try to throw the extreme out there he's like we can't do it we're not going to be able to play and i guarantee you he's going to come out we can't play. The owners are losing too much money. It's not feasible. Can't do it. And he's put out these big numbers, double the deferred salary, add 5% on escrow. Then he's going to be like, well, you know what? What if we went 12% or 13 or 14% on the deferred salary? And the players are like, oh, at least it's not 20 What if we do 22% escrow? And the players are like, okay, well, maybe. Just adding an extra 2% on the escrow, if you have a billion dollars in salary, that's a lot of money, 2%. And just adding an extra two or 3% on deferred salary, that's a heck of a lot of money. So I don't think the players should give an inch. And it sounds like they're not going to, but we'll see if the owners lock them out. As crazy as that sounds, it could happen. If the owners say, we're losing money, we can't do this. We literally can't afford to turn the lights on. That's what they'll say. Like, we're losing money hand over fist if we're paying you these salaries or we're not generating any money. Like that, that's what they'll say. And it's just a prediction. And so that, that's the leverage Gary has. He's like, okay, if you're not gonna play ball, then we're gonna lock you out. We we can't afford to play. I'm sorry. That's just uh the realistic that's that's the situation.
0: Yeah, I'm reading the New York Post article and and you'll know, take that for what it's worth. But he says in the article, Larry Brooks wrote this article it is impossible to cite a precedent in pro sport labor law history. The NHL is asking for a do over for a contract that they just signed. It's
1: crazy. Well, and this is like, do you not have any foresight into, you can, do you not have um, marketing people on your team? Do you not have people who do predictions, you know, of where the market's heading, where the country's heading, where the business is heading to just say, you know what, this is the worst case scenario. This is where we sit. If we have no fans, if we have no gate, if we have no revenue, if we have no hockey related revenue at all. This is, where, this is what we're going to lose. That's what you're supposed to base your negotiations off of. You can't just say, oh, you know, we'll do this because I think we're going to be able to have 50% capacity next year. And then all of a sudden you don't and this virus is bad again. It's like, well, geez, we, we can't have anybody in the ranks, just like the, the bubble. And then it's like, well, we were banking on that money. Now we can't because we have 30 arenas and we have 30 owners and we have 30 – teams that need to be paid and all this stuff and there's money that goes into putting on a game you have to pay the staff and the rink and the refs and all this other stuff and you still aren't making any money so i don't know it's pretty shady what um
0: what do you think what do you think changed in four months that they're kind of go back on it now like what are
1: they what are they seeing what have they learned i think they expected things to to approve improve where, With the pandemic? Yes. Yeah. where they could allow fans into the rinks and to just gain some revenue that ways. And I and I feel like well, in Canada, Canada's not letting that fly. Like there's no way they're gonna allow like fans into a Toronto Maple Leafs game. Justin Trudeau is like the worst leader in the world. So he's just no. He's gonna quaff his hair and he's gonna say no bueno. So And most of the revenue, when you look at the share at the end of the year of where the money comes from, like I would say if you had a top 10, all the Canadian teams are in that top 10. So a lot of the money is driven by that team, those teams. And that's why if the Canadian dollar is down, the revenues down. It's because a huge chunk of all that money comes from Canada. And if there's no revenue coming from Canada, if you're not getting the Toronto and the Montreal, you're in trouble. You're in big, big trouble. And I, I think Gary's looking at that, and he's like, uh-oh. And we're just going to have a Canadian-only division? Like, that's an issue, a massive issue. So I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. The players should stand their ground.
0: So to to totally change the subject and close this episode out, did you see the pictures that got released today of Connor McDavid's new mansion? Mm-mm. I don't know if it's in a mansion or if it's like a, it's a condo or something, but it's like <laughs> – Blackburn tweeted this out. He says, it's like serial killer vibe. It's everything's black and white, big and spacious and empty. No personality to it whatsoever. There's a huge, massive, like super villain bedroom. There's a basketball court where the ceiling's like three feet above the hoop, so you can't get a big arch, which is kind of crazy. I, I you've seen the pictures? I'll, I'll show them to you. Look it out. Look it up if you haven't yet. It's kind of blowing up hockey Twitter right now, and it's kind of it's kind of strange. And I feel like McDavid's sort of a A weird cat anyway. we Have seen that a little bit here and there with his personality? You're giving me a look. Where do you find these things? It's it's trending on hockey Twitter right now.
1: Poor Connor McDavid, honestly. He tweeted some of this stuff out too. But do you honestly think – how old is he? 25. Do you think he had a hand in this at all? Yeah. I guarantee you he's got his long-term girlfriend or his mom or he paid someone to help him or just to do it. He's a busy guy. He's training – He's all over the place. Even with this COVID thing, I doubt he's sitting down picking out paint colors and swabs and color fabrics. for. Co- I don't know. I feel bad for this kid. You know, give him a break. I'm sure it's ugly. I'm <laughs> sure it's ugly as sin. It sounds terrible. I'm not a very modern, clean lines, this and that. I'm more of a comfortable, like, place where I can lounge around. Poor kid. Like, just give him a break. No. What, what do you want him to do? Like, I, I just hate that the, the hate that's out there look at this place let's get them nothing will beat
0: the the picture that was released of phil kessel's movie theater basement though you remember that one the single seat in the middle of the room. I do. Room was a, that real? Yes. Yeah. But the problem was he in this in the um in the picture that was went viral. You could see the screen. People were just photoshopping all kinds of stuff <laughs> on the screen that he was watching, including some of the ones of your fight <laughs> oh, <laughs> the big,
1: That's so funny in the
0: big room.
1: Watching I him. see. Did Phil throw that picture out there? Yeah, I I think he did. He's got a great personality. I think he just did it. He's like, this is my movie room (laughs) all by myself. I think that's funny. When is he going to come on the show, John? Never. I've stopped texting him. I'm sure he's blocked my number. But poor poor Connor McDavid. Give him a break. Give the kid a break. You know, it's his first probably big-time purchase, his big condo. He's all excited. Everything's probably really expensive, all the stuff he's got. And he probably got bad advice from some designer, and he just ran with it. And you know what? He'll grow up. He'll figure it out. Just give him a break. He's got it bad enough playing on that team. My goodness, people are just looking for stuff to jump on. Like I, ugh, if it's ugly, it's ugly. But just like, give him a break. He's the best hockey player in the world. You know, he can't be good at everything. can know be, you're can't
0: not uh, big into fantasy hockey, but who do you think would be the number one pick in fantasy hockey this coming year? And you get points for goals. It's not points. It's categories usually. Okay. Yeah, goals, assist, plus, minus, um, shots on net, sometimes penalty minutes or um, power play points. Usually those are the standard six.
1: Mm, I'd, I, I would go with um, Drein He's or, up there. Yeah.
0: McKinnon's ranked number one right now. Wow. Um, he takes a, like easy 300 shots plus every year. You get points for shots? Yeah.
1: That's so stupid. Why? You point for a shot. That's like the guys who used to work the escrow. And mind you, I was one of them. You get, if you had a shot on gold helped your escrow because it meant you were like being offensive. It, you were in the zone. This and that is just a, a proof of that. So guys would like just throw the puck on the net from anywhere, from center. <laughs> be like shot on net escrow. Like, uh, what is not escrow? It's, uh, Corsi. It would help Corsi, your Corsi. Corsi. Yeah. And it was just people were just like work the Corsi. I was mean, like, that's funny because it's these stinking analytics. It's like, oh, you got a shot on that. You must have had a good game. Well, you had three or four. Little do they know they all came from like beyond the blue line. He just flipped it in. It counts as a shot on goal. And I knew goalies who would talk to the scorekeeper in the building. Hey, man, if I touch that puck and it's going to go in, that's a shot on goal, regardless of where it is. So if a D-man ices the puck on a penalty kill and it hits the net, that's a shot on goal because it would have went in. So
0: Remember to Talib, the football player?
1: He yes. was
0: a cornerback. I do. He yeah. ripped
1: someone's chain off in a football game.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he that was, guy, but he's known. He's got like he's hilarious. He's big personality. Very witty. Um, and he's got like this quote. that's on something about like people that that worship stats probably make a point or to make a point probably prefer
1: reading sheet music to hearing the song. Oh, it's so deep, so deep. Yeah, stats do play a part. You know, I I get it. Stats do play a part in um, hockey, and in all sports, but I don't think it should be the end-all, be-all. Case in point, the Toronto Maple Leafs, data-driven team, and they're going absolutely no way. Until now, where they've actually figured it out, they need some veteran leadership in that room to settle down the boys. They got Bogosian. They got Wayne Simmons. They got Joe Thornton. They got some veteran guys in there. Spezza. Spezza. You'll see that team. They'll have a much better year this year. They will get out of the first round prediction. You heard it here first. It's a bold take. Heard it here first, Cotton. See how it plays out. But anyways, what was I going to say? So should we talk about all the ad reads or no? No, we don't have to. I think it's about probably wrapping up here. Tim hates it when I – so he's going to cut this out, so it doesn't even matter. (laughs) All right. I guess that's enough, everybody. We will uh, see you next week. I hope everyone has a good weekend. Do you see how I'm censored in the show, how it's not right? John, sometimes I had to save you from yourself. This stinking – okay. So we do these ad reads and some of them are too much. They're a little – like I keep this show family friendly and some of these ad reads get a little too risque and I have to edit them. And, just, and I just think to myself, why? Why do you have to be risque in your ads to be effective? Can't you just say I have a good product? Because this is a great product. It's great. I own two of them, and it's fantastic. But it just it just goes too far. It's like, I don't get it. It's just a downfall of society in a nutshell. It's like everyone's getting desensitized by all the ads, all the this and that. It's like, let's talk about gross things and sexualize everything. It's like, I don't, I don't understand it. You got a lot of downfall of society commentary going on. Society is in a free fall, absolute free fall. I could sit down and talk to anybody about this for hours. It's terrible. Yeah. If you are not worried about the state of this country, you are living in la-la land because this country is so backwards, it's crazy. Down is up and right is wrong. It's just very, very, very glaringly aware to me. You're allowed free speech only if you're saying the right thing. If you're saying the wrong thing, you're going to be canceled. That's the truth, Tim, and you know it.
0: And have a great weekend, everybody. We'll Uh, talk to you soon. It's just a
1: stinking millennials. They've gotten control of this country. Drives me nuts. Now, I don't want to leave it on this note. But anyways, everybody, I hope you had a good uh, week. We're back. We're back in a big way, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Cheers, everybody.
0: Hey guys, thanks for listening. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter at Dropping Underscore Gloves for episode highlights, behind-the-scenes content, sneak peeks, and giveaways. Check out johnscottallstar.com slash shop for merchandise including t-shirts, hats, hoodies, and so much more. And please, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's so important to helping us grow so we can keep delivering the hockey content and interviews with the players you love. Thanks, and see you next time. (laughs) Thank <laughs>